1582, a Japanese nobleman by the name of Lord Otomo Sorin sent a group of envoys to Europe. The entire round trip of their journey took eight years, and along the way they visited several European countries, met multiple European heads of state, including two popes. It was hoped that this mission would revolutionize relations between Europe and Japan. Learn more about the Tensho Embassy and the first Japanese mission to Europe on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. If you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you'll have noticed a theme that comes up several times. What happens when cultures come in contact with each other? The story of the Tensho Embassy is one of cultural contact, but it's also something much more. The story starts with the arrival of the first Europeans in Japan. The first Europeans to arrive in Japan did so completely by accident. In 1543, a Portuguese ship was blown off course by a typhoon and became shipwrecked on the island of Tanegashima in southwest Japan. This accidental landing led to a host of changes in Japan. The Portuguese introduced firearms to Japan. In fact, for a long time, the Japanese referred to these early firearms as Tanegashima. The Portuguese began trading with the Japanese, and the Japanese initially welcomed trade with the people whom they called Nabanjin, or Southern Barbarians. This trade also opened up the door for Christianity to enter Japan. The Japanese at first thought that the Portuguese were from India and that Christianity was some sort of Indian religion. They had no clue what or where Europe was. In 1549, Francis Xavier arrived in Japan. Xavier was one of the early founding members of a group known as the Society of Jesus, which most people know today as the Jesuits. The Jesuits are actually worthy of their own episode given how influential they were all over the world. 
The early efforts of missionaries in Japan were rather ham-fisted. They didn't adapt to local customs and had a difficult time with the Japanese language. This began to change with the arrival of Alessandro Valignano to Japan in 1579. And just as an aside, when Valignano arrived in Japan, he came with his assistant Yasuki, who was from Africa, and later became a samurai. It's a fascinating story in its own right and will be the topic of a future episode. Valignano was sent to take over the Jesuit mission to Japan, and when he arrived, he was shocked at what he saw. He later said in his own words that the Jesuits would, quote, regard Japanese customs invariably as abnormal and to speak disparagingly of them. When I first came to Japan, ours, the crowd usually follows the leader, showed no care to learn Japanese customs, but at recreation and on other occasions were continually carping on them, arguing against them, and expressing their preference for our own ways to the great chagrin and disgust of the Japanese. End quote. Valignano changed the entire approach of trying to convert the Japanese and establish the Catholic Church in Japan. He purchased a former Buddhist monastery and converted it to a Catholic seminary. However, he didn't change the design and decoration to make it more Western. He kept it as it was. The priests who were trained there were allowed to dress as Buddhist monks, which people were familiar with, not Western friars. They ate Japanese food, not Western food. He overhauled language instruction for the Jesuits in Japan, many of whom could barely speak Japanese even after a decade of living there. All new missionaries were required to take a two-year intensive course in Japanese. His efforts found success, especially in the conversion of several key daimos in Japan. Daimos were feudal lords who ruled over a particular area. One in particular, Omura Sumitada, granted the Jesuits control over a port in what was then just a small fishing village called Nagasaki. The Jesuits used trade from Nagasaki to fund their mission in Japan. However, Valignano had a problem. Back in Europe, they thought the Japanese to be barbarians. Valignano had to convince the church and royal officials that Japan was in fact a highly developed culture that was worth investing in. By the same token, the Japanese still thought that the Europeans were barbarians. He wanted to show the Japanese the richness of Christian culture, which was very difficult to do given how far away they were from each other. A solution to the problem came to Valignano after a meeting with Oda Nobunaga. Nobunaga was sort of the grand shogun of Japan, who had unified most of Japan under his rule. He wasn't the emperor, but he was the de facto leader of Japan as the imperial regent. Nobunaga wasn't a Christian and was never really a patron of the Christians in Japan, but he did tolerate their presence and saw use for them as they opened up Japan for trade and valuable goods. In a meeting with Nobunaga, Valignano was supposedly given a silk tapestry intended to be a gift for the Pope to demonstrate the cultural achievements of Japan. Valignano thought that this was a great idea, but then he realized that he shouldn't be the one to present it to the Pope. It should be presented to the Pope by Japanese Christians. In Valignano's mind, this would kill two birds with one stone. A group of Japanese Christians who could tour Europe to meet the Pope and other heads of state would improve their perception of Japan and a small group of Japanese who toured Europe could then come back to Japan and tell everyone about the accomplishments of the Christian world. He conferred with several prominent Christian daimos, led by Otomo Sorin, and they selected four young men, approximately 14 years old, who would travel to Europe to represent Japan. The spokesman for the group was to be Ido Mencido, the son of Ido Yoshike, one of the regional daimos. Mencido had been baptized a Christian and had studied Latin. Accompanying him were three sons of other high-ranking Christian daimos, Miguel Chijiwa, Giuliano Nakura, and Martino Hara. 
All of those were Christianized names that they took when they were baptized. The diplomatic mission became known as the Tensho Embassy, as it took place during the Tensho period, named after the Japanese emperor at the time. The group set sail on February 20, 1582. They were accompanied on the first leg of the voyage by Villagnano. Their first stop was in the Portuguese enclave of Macau. From there in March, the four boys and Villagnano sailed to Malacca, Koshi, and then finally Goa in India. In Goa, Villagnano parted with the boys, wrote them letters of introduction, and the rest of the group set sail in September for Portugal, along with Father Nuno Rodriguez, who took Villagnano's place. The boys used the time aboard the ship productively. They received lessons in Latin and in Japanese from a Japanese Jesuit who came with them. They were admonished not to neglect their studies in their mother tongue. Finally, after two and a half years in transit, the group finally arrived in Lisbon on August 10, 1584. As they later wrote, quote, On August 10th, we reached the port of Lisbon. The flood of joy we experienced as we entered that port is almost beyond the power of words to express, because it was the end at last of the troubles and difficulties, and because we can now feast our eyes on an amazing range of new things. End quote. In Lisbon, the boys, now over 16, had the proverbial red carpet rolled out for them. They were toured around the city in the personal coach of the Cardinal of Lisbon, and they were amazed at what they saw. For the very first time, they experienced glass windows. They saw the rich and the poor, cathedrals and hovels. Over their first few weeks, they visited almost every church, hospital, and royal palace in Lisbon. After their whirlwind tour in Lisbon, they met with Albert VII, Archduke of Austria, and the Viceroy of Portugal. It was here that they unveiled the silk tapestry that had been sent with them from Odu Nobunaga, who unbeknownst to them, had been killed just months after they left Japan. Albert had been reading updates sent from the Jesuits in Japan and was up to date on the domestic political situation in Japan. The boys were surprised as they assumed nobody in Europe knew or cared about Japan. As for the tapestry itself, it showed the castle of a great ruler. The boys had actually never seen the tapestry themselves until it was unveiled. From Lisbon, they next went to Spain. They went to Toledo and then to Madrid. On November 14th, they met with King Philip II of Spain. They were shown maps to demonstrate the size of Philip's empire, which they stressed was the largest in the world. And at that time, it was. By the time they got to Spain, they had become the talk of Madrid. People lined up to see them in their white Japanese robes. When they arrived in the presence of the king, they did as they were trained, to bow rather than prostrate themselves on the floor as they would have had to do back in Japan. They presented official documents from Otomo Sorin, and to their shock, the king then hugged Ito. Philip was fascinated by the boys and asked them countless questions about their country. And the day after their first meeting, the queen immediately had a Japanese-style gown created. After a month in Madrid, they moved on, slowly going through Spain and eventually traveling to Italy, where they arrived on March 1st, 1585. They worked their way through Italy, meeting aristocrats, until finally arriving in Rome on March 22nd. They entered Rome with an escort provided by Pope Gregory XIII. By this time, word had spread of the four Japanese boys, and they were being referred to as Magi, a reference to the wise men from the East described in the Bible. Large crowds came out to see these Christians from Japan. Pope Gregory was quite ill, but was determined to meet them. Geographers at the time thought that Japan was larger than India or Arabia, and that these four, now young men, represented the future of the Catholic Church. In the formal meeting with the Pope, they finally presented him with the tapestries which were gifted by Oda Nobunaga. He presented the young men with many gifts and honors and spent days asking them questions. 
However, on April 10th, just 18 days after they arrived, Gregory XIII died. The new pope was Sixtus V. During his coronation on May 1st, all four of the young men were given prominent roles during his coronation ceremony. Soon after, Sixtus honored all four of them by making them knights in the Order of the Golden Spur. They spent the rest of 1585 traveling through Italy, Spain, and Portugal, visiting Mantua, Verona, Milan, Genoa, and Barcelona. By April 1586, they were in Lisbon and ready to begin their voyage home. The journey back home took much longer than the journey there. With stops in various Portuguese settlements along the way in Mozambique, Goa, and Macau, they finally arrived back in Japan on July 21, 1590, eight years after they first left. Things had changed dramatically in Japan over the last eight years. The new imperial regent had expelled all the Jesuits, and Valignano had to return to Japan to smooth everything over. He did eventually get an audience with the new regent where the four young men were present. The audience was a hit as the regent peppered the four with questions about Europe, just as the boys had been questioned in Europe about Japan. It seemed like Valignano's plan had worked. All four were ordained Jesuit priests, and a book was written about their adventure, which was to be used in classrooms for Japanese students. However, by 1603, a military government known as the Tokugawa Shogunate came to power and eventually banned Christianity under the penalty of death. Mencio Ito, the group's spokesman, died in 1612 after an illness. Martino Hara was banished from Japan and fled to Macau in 1614. Miguel Chijiwa left the Jesuits in 1601 and supposedly renounced Christianity. He died in 1633. However, in 2017, his grave was exhumed, and it was discovered that he was buried with a rosary, giving question to if he had actually abandoned Christianity at all. Julian Nakura did not flee Japan, nor did he abandon Christianity. Rather, he went underground to minister to the hidden Catholic community in Japan. He was captured, tortured, and executed in November 1633. He was eventually beatified by the Catholic Church in 2008. Despite the grand plans for the Tensho Embassy, it had very little long-term impact on either Japan or Europe. The Tokugawa shogunate closed off Japan from the outside world. There was another embassy sent to Europe and the Americas in 1613, but it was never received with the same enthusiasm that the Tensho Embassy was. There wouldn't be another formal delegation sent by Japan to Europe for over 250 years. The executive producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Charles Daniel. The associate producers are Peter Bennett and Cameron Kiefer. I wanted to give a big thanks to everyone who supports the show on Patreon. Your support helps me put out a new show every day. And if you're interested in Everything Everywhere Daily merchandise, Patreon is currently the only place where it's available. And if you'd like to talk to other listeners of the show and get notified of future episodes and projects, please join my Facebook group or Discord server. Links to everything are in the show notes.